1: You're listening
0: to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast, and we've just had the episode that maybe I was most excited for, the Star Wars-themed episode. Uh, Azo, did you love it?
1: Uh, Yes, I'm not a Star Wars person. I think I've only seen one of the movies, and I don't know which one, Um, but I still enjoyed it. I still felt like... I kind of knew enough vaguely about it to kind of work out what was going on and what was working and what wasn't.
0: Yeah, they definitely did their best to try and explain to non-Star Wars people what was going on and what they were looking for and what was going to be a good build and what was going to be a bad build. But I I did sort of have... Not issues, but I did have some thoughts (laughs) on the way they went about doing that. And it's tough because obviously you want to make sure that anyone can understand what's going on. Because obviously not everyone's seen every movie and that's totally fine. But also I think some of the contestants who were fans of Star Wars maybe struggled a little bit with some of the briefs they were given. But we'll get into that.
1: Yeah, I think some of them got a little overwhelmed and excited uh naturally there was a whole second brick pit dedicated to Star Wars bricks, so I imagine that would have been very exciting. There's also stormtroopers all through the building, which was like stressful to watch.
0: <laughs> oh that's one fun note. So I don't know if you remember, but when the stormtroopers first appeared, one of them walked in and sort of like knocked their head mm-hmm. on the roller door. That is a specific reference to Star Wars because that happens and it's like an Easter egg in the Star Wars, in the first Star Wars movie ever made. That happens and it was like a funny thing. And so when they re released the movies later on, they put like a sound effect of a doink to make it look like it was intentional.
1: So I think that was like a
0: little wink to people who'd seen the movies a couple times.
1: Yeah, that's a fun little hint. So the challenge that they had was to create a vehicle that would live in the Star Wars universe and they were split up into the dark side, the light side, and then there was like the middle grey side. (laughs) I don't know what that was. Yeah,
0: it was kind of a bit weird. First of all, I want to point out that you can't really divide up the universe like that. And I totally understand why they did it because it made it easier to understand two of you or what was going on, especially if they didn't know Star Wars. But for teams like Trent and Josh who are really into Star Wars, I imagine that brief must have been really confusing because the light side and the dark side specifically referred to Jedi. Mm-hmm. But then they were building ships that were like themed after the Imperials or after the mm. First Order or after the Resistance, which isn't like a Jedi thing. But there's also not like a grey side. That's not a thing. It was just like other characters that aren't aren't specifically Jedi or not Jedi
1: or Sith
0: or whatever so again I totally understand why they did it but I do think that teams like Trent and Josh and the teams that are really heavy Star Wars fans might have found that a bit difficult to build with
1: yeah even as a viewer I found that whole gray middle side a bit confusing because I mean the dark side and the light side are like very well-known things about the Star Wars universe like Even without, with only seeing one movie, I could tell you that dark side is probably darker, like blacks and grays and sharper lines. And the light side is like the whites and blues and more round things to when they were like, and we have this middle ground. I was like, what is that? How do you judge that?
0: (laughs) The team that ended up building the middle side thing, I did like that build quite a lot. So I guess they worked out a way to do it. But also the way that Brickman was even describing it when he was saying like the light side is scrappy and they don't have many resources. And that's not true at all. That's even if he's talking about like, let's say the good guys, that's a very specific small part of the Star Wars timeline. Like the resistance and the rebellion maybe didn't have too many resources, but the good guys in general going back earlier, like in the prequel trilogy had all that, they were the ones with the most money. Like they were the ones with the big shiny starships and like the, the massive reflective thing that Natalie Portman was flying around in. So a bit confusing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I actually had written that down as a point. I was like, is the light side poor? Like, why can't they afford to make cool ships? So I'm glad you clarified that.
0: Should we get into some of the builds?
1: Let's start with Tim and Danny because uh, I think Danny was like the closest person that I was to this week. Like straight off the bat, she was like, to Tim, pretend I've never heard of Star Wars. What's a Star War? Like, she obviously was not a huge fan like Tim was which was funny to me, but like kind of detrimental to them.
0: (laughs) Well, it did kind of feel like Tim was, I don't want to say being mean, but he was being a little bit over the top about how she didn't know anything about Star Wars and kind of treating it as like she couldn't do anything, which kind of feels maybe like she could have still helped build, even if she didn't know the ins and outs of the universe, right?
1: Yes, definitely. I think um, it, just between them they needed to like communicate everything a lot clearer whereas some of the other teams like Trench and Josh who are both big fans they could kind of just like get what the other person was going for and they didn't really need to discuss it as much
0: yeah and I think the build that Tim and Danny went for in the end it did end up looking cool it wasn't a total disaster by any means but it did seem like the entire time he felt like he was being held down by his teammate which seems I don't I don't know if that's true they did a great job
1: yeah I quite liked it um I did think that maybe it was too black. Like I thought some more gray or something to help break it up would have looked better, but um, that also could have just been how it looked on TV. I think in person it might've looked a bit better, but on TV it kind of just came up as like this big black thing.
0: (laughs) It's really heavily inspired. And I was thinking, almost too similar to a ship that already exists, which is Kylo Ren's TIE Silencer. So he has this ship that looks almost the exact same, just a little bit less rounded. You know how it has right. sort of the rounded edges and the bubbly bit in the middle. His is a bit more kind of the exact same thing, but sharper lines. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they were really heavily inspired by that. I don't know if that fits the brief because they kind of just put a, very gentle twist on an existing vehicle but I did appreciate the scale they went for and Mm -hmm. I did think the model as you said like it looked black and in person would have looked big and imposing I did think that was really cool
1: yeah they kind of ran out of time a little bit and they didn't get to putting it on the stand like some of the other teams had and I think there were some issues around them using a bit too much technique and so they were worried it wasn't structurally sound um overall I thought it looked cool but Brickman did say that if it was an elimination that they probably would have been the ones to go, which is tough.
0: Definitely tough to hear, but it wasn't an elimination, so all good.
1: <laughs> Let's go on to Jen and Jody. They did the Ravenger, which was like a scavenger ship based on the character Ray. I think that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally right.
1: <laughs> so they got Lightside and the minifigure they pulled out was that specific character, so they built her ship Brickman said that he thought their story and idea was the best. Uh, and I also really liked it, but it didn't look like a typical Star Wars vehicle to me.
0: I really love Jen and Jody's build. They were definitely one of my favorites. And I thought they knocked it out of the park. I think it looked fairly Star Warsy. I think my issue with it, getting like pretty specific, is that it didn't make sense for the story for Rey to have this big fancy looking flying ship while being a scavenger, if that makes mm. sense. Like in yeah. the actual stories when she's a scavenger, she has like a little rundown land speeder. But also just in general, someone who's scavenging parts but then has this beautiful brilliant ship. Yeah. Those two things felt a bit weird to me. But... That's just a story element. I think the the build itself looked really cool. It looked like it should be in space, maybe, mm-hmm. not in a desert, <laughs> potentially, but it looked great.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit confused by that, but I thought it might have just been me not knowing the story. The other thing that Brickman picked up on was that, yeah, they had this like sandscape. Kind of thing, but then elements like the cage and the stormtrooper were off that, so it kind of became a little bit confusing.
0: Yeah, I get what he was saying, where the sand didn't extend, and then like the stormtrooper was hanging just like on the table, as opposed to being part of the model. But I don't know; it kind of felt like it was a good sense of scale. Like the ship was so big, mm-hmm. and the the leg that was being dragged by the ship was so big that it didn't fit, you know, in the diorama. So I didn't mind that too much.
1: Uh, let's jump to Jackson and Alex. They were also dark side. And they built the Imperial Tempest Drop Ship, which was essentially a troop carrier.
0: I think this was probably my favorite idea out of all of them. Yeah. As soon as they said Imperial Troop Carrier, I was like, heck yes, that's exactly what I want to see out of this. And it was definitely one of the better models in my opinion, but I, I don't think it was my number one. And I think they knew that as well. I think you could see that the, the concessions they had to make with the back of the ship and that sort of thing mm-hmm. were, they were sort of wishing they had a bit more time to pull it off.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that they did, which was a risk for them, was not putting the ship into flight. Uh, It was actually like meant to be on the ground. I really liked that. I I really appreciated that they had a purpose for it being on the ground and they had all the stormtroopers coming out it was really effective. The story was really clear to me and I loved it.
0: Yeah, definitely. The the diorama they set up with the shiny black floor and all the legions of stormtroopers and the little story elements of Darth Vader choking one of the stormtroopers, all of that. Looked so great. I think the aesthetic of the ship itself was good. It sort of took some elements of First Order stuff and took some elements of Empire stuff. So it's sort of bridging that gap there, which is also cool. Although Darth is alive, so that doesn't make as much sense. But I still like it. It still counts. It's still good. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny when they had that brief moment of what felt like kind of manufactured drama where they were going, oh, my goodness, uh, if we don't reinforce the wings and the wings are going to break. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll have to reinforce the wings. And that was kind of it, but the show made it seem yeah. like there was this big deal where they're like scratching their heads like, oh no, what are we going to do? I guess we better do the first and most obvious thing that's that we're going to do anyway sort of thing. I thought that was yeah. a bit of a reach.
1: Something else that Brickman said throughout the show was that vehicles from the dark side always like have a purpose. Um, is that right? It's kind of a
0: weird perspective to have. I think it was kind of trying to come up with solid criteria to help judge them by. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's worth saying that vehicles have a specific purpose. I don't know. I didn't really understand what he was getting at there.
1: Right. Well, he liked Jackson Alex's because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to Trent and Josh, maybe the biggest Star Wars fans of the episode. I think they almost passed out like five times. They had the light side and they built a rebellion fighter, which was basically a heavy assault starship. This to me was like very clearly Star Wars light side, like the white and blue and beige are all kind of colours I associate with the light side. Um, So I really liked this as well. This was probably like up there with Jackson and Alex for me.
0: For me, I liked it a lot. I did feel like it looked very busy, Mm -hmm. like looking at the model It kind of looked like a ship that wouldn't be very aerodynamic because of how much stuff it had. Yeah. That's (laughs) true. (laughs) And so Brickman sort of said something similar. He said it was too, like, it wasn't singular purpose. It did too much stuff, and that wasn't very on brand for the light side. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, but I think overall the idea of like maybe the ship had too much stuff going on it aesthetically potentially could have been an issue.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I did appreciate, though, that Trent specifically dropped that it was inspired by an A Wing because I feel like A Wings don't get enough love. So good work, Trent. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know what that is. But X-Wing was also mentioned and so it was Snow Speeder. They were all words I wrote down under, I don't know what these are. So
0: an X-Wing is like the classic fighter from the original Star Wars films. Um, it's like a long thin spaceship with a big X shape of wings at the back. Right. And so Jen and Jody's was kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the most classic. Snowspeeder, um, Jen and Jody's also had some sort of aesthetic inspiration from. The Snowspeeder's were from Star Wars Episode 5 where there's this big battle on ice where Snowspeeder's are going around and taking down the big walking things. That's the leg that they were dragging, an at or an AT-AT leg. Right. So a is like another vehicle that's like, kind of like hovers above specifically snow and is sort of white and orange themed and then things like a wings and Y wings which you might have heard are just other types of ships that are also around in space
1: and lastly andrew and damien had the gray middle ground um and they built a bounty hunter ship
0: yeah i thought theirs was really cool and once again they're constantly building lego that looks like it's come straight out of a lego set like it looks like the pictures you'd see on the front of a box Mm -hmm. of Lego. I think they always have been ticking that box more than any other team.
1: Yeah, one thing that Andrew really wanted to focus on with this build is making it playable, um, which definitely was not the brief, but I think Andrew just can't help himself sometimes. So that was really cool that you could kind of take the layers apart And it was actually like a Lego set.
0: Yeah, and it had like three different layers as well, which is a a lot going on.
1: Yeah. They had heaps of cool little details in that as well. Like they had the jail cell with the different sides split up. But as a non-Star Wars person, I was like really confused by this build because it didn't look like typical Star Wars to me. I think... You have to have like watch some movies to know what's going on with this one.
0: Well, the tough thing was that they sort of made up their own everything. Like it's it's just a mishmash of the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And I liked it because I felt like it was something that could totally exist. Mm -hmm. It kind of was very inspired by the Sandcrawler vehicles, which you see at the beginning of episode four, which are these big brown boxes on wheels. So it took some inspiration from that. But then because they pulled out Jango Fett, who is a bounty hunter and he has a specific spaceship they took some aesthetic inspiration from that and sort of applied it as well. So it was kind of a mishmash of all these different characters in a way that felt really plausible to me. Well, I mean, as plausible as a fictional story can be,
1: obviously. (laughs) So obviously their build was a bit harder than the others because of everything you just said. (laughs) But because of that, I I do feel like Brickman was easier on them. Like He didn't say a single bad thing about it, whereas the others definitely got some criticism as well. Um, so this is like one of those builds where it really highlights how hard it is to judge all these different things when some things are harder than others and some people nail one bit but don't nail another bit. Like that just like really highlighted that for me.
0: i think I think that's fair. And Brickman seems like he's the chillest dude in the world, but <laughs> having that position must be so tough to have all that responsibility. So I didn't disagree this week personally, at least.
1: Yeah. So Andrew and Damien, obviously won. Uh, which meant that they can't play the golden brick that they won at the very start of the competition because the next build is the last build that they're allowed to play it for because they're not allowed to play it in finals week, but they obviously got immunity for that. So I guess they just take it home.
0: I feel like this is another example and maybe it's just us as viewers not being there, but it seems like Lego Masters every now and then will just make up rules randomly. Mm. Like they were never told that they can't play it during finals week. And so if I was them, I'd be like, yes, we have this brick in finals week. I mean, I would, it makes sense you can't play it in the grand final, obviously. But like in the third last episode or the second last episode, I'd be like, yeah, sweet, we can play it then. And then they're just like, nah we decided that you can't. I feel like I'd be sad.
1: Yeah, I hope that that was explained to them at the start and they knew that taking those risks every week when they weren't playing it. To me, it makes sense not being able to play it in finals week. And I think that's like for every kind of reality TV competition where they have some sort of like immunity... Advantage. That's a fairly common thing, is like a certain amount of episodes at the end, you're not allowed to play your advantage.
0: You're a survivor expert. Is it the same? Is it like that in Survivor?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm referring
0: to. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that's fair enough.
1: But yeah, I hope that was explained to them at the start and not just like randomly thrown on at the end.
0: We'll assume so. I'm sure there's a lot that happens that we don't see in the final episode. Yeah. <laughs> you're listening to Lego Masters deconstructed
1: so the preview for tomorrow night's episode looks like it is some sort of underwater build like they have to build something that lives in the water and i imagine like whether or not things float and weight is really going to come into play here.
0: Yeah, it's not just like a underwater themed build. It's like literally the models are going to be underwater. Yeah. So it seems like the show's gone. We only have four teams competing in this round. We can start spending some ridiculous money to make ridiculous <laughs> builds because they had these massive aquarium tanks in the studio in the preview it looks like. I think this build is going to be hectic.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: I wonder if any of the builders are qualified scuba divers and if that's going to give them an advantage because they can just Ooh. like jump in the water and build underwater the entire time.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they actually are meant to build in the water or if it's like they build it on land and then just put it in water. I hope they have to build in water.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so as well. But from the preview, it looks like they built it and then put it under. But who knows? It's hard to sort of tell from the 10 seconds they show you. So I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and whatever podcast app you use, hopefully you can find us there. And we'll have episodes out for every episode of the TV show, as well as a couple of exclusive interviews here and there. We've already got interviews with Annie, Summer and Iona and Jane up, so make sure you give those a listen.
1: If you have any thoughts on the episode, disagree with us, want to get in touch, feel free to hit us up on Instagram. I'm at Zoe Peck underscore.
0: And my Instagram is at Parenteswagging. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Also, if you're bored, um, jump on the podcast app that you use and give us a five-star rating. Thank Thanks.
1: you. I <laughs> know, oh, we talked over right. each other. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi.